Judge is ready. Look, I know how hard it can be to find the one. You agonize, waiting for that moment when your heart starts to race, your palms sweat, excitement blooms in your cheek, the future is filled with possibilities. And when you finally find the one, you cut it up to fit in the time limit. Okay, seriously, that did not go where I expected it to. What what were you expecting? A beautiful seaside ceremony where Jeremy Jordan sang his vows to me and swept me off to Santorini. Why are you looking at me like that? I thought I had called dibs on Jeremy Jordan. (laughs) In your dreams, Gabrielson. In my dreams, indeed. No, no, no. Sorry. Finding the perfect piece or topic can be a difficult process, to say the least. On today's podcast, we'll talk about setting up criteria for what makes your perfect piece or speech topic, some potentially untapped resources to find pieces, and also the important art of settling. This... This is Forensics Forensics Faces. Welcome back to Forensics Faces, everybody. That was a very upbeat theme song to introduce a pretty downbeat topic. So we're going to start off today's podcast by talking to you about the Ripon College Forensics Team. Uh, The Ripon College Forensics Team has been a huge player in our forensics family. Their team and campus host the WFCA State Tournament each spring. Uh, There are plenty of former WFCA students that have gone on to compete collegially on the Ripon Forensics team, and right now they really need our support. Initially, it was proposed uh, by their campus to limit the forensics team travel to strictly the state tournament and provide for their students to attend just the national tournament should they qualify. Uh, The team could then perform intramurally and just practice on campus while only being able to compete a couple times a year. Uh, Luckily, the powers that be are now considering an amended change, which would limit competition to the spring semester. While this is an improvement from before, this change will essentially cut their entire forensic season in half. This is going to make it hard for team members to get in the amount of practice and tournament time it takes to be competitive on the national level. And as a result, it's going to be more difficult for them to recruit talented students to Ripon College. Our good friend, Dino Pape, is the former head coach of Ripon College Forensics. Um, he is now the Collegiate Programs Director for the NSDA. And he shared the following on his Facebook profile regarding this. He said, colleges compete all of the time for prospective students, for resources, for excellence. And uniquely at Ripon there isn't a star system. Ripon doesn't kick students off the team if they don't win awards. All students are welcome, no matter what their background. The program draws a diverse student body from a national pool of prospective students. The average GPA of forensic students has been 3.5 or greater and among the top five of student groups and teams on campus. The program is educationally sound while offering top-notch competition and national recognition. An intramural program simply won't draw the best and the brightest to Ripon College, and it costs one student's tuition bill to run every year in its current form. One. Now, the team has started a Facebook page with more information about the situation. There are testimonials from past alum and current students. It's called Save RC Forensics. And Kurt and I are just asking you all to try to take a moment out of your day and read about what is happening to this team and see what you can do to help. This is a moment where one of our own needs us. Yeah, so please go check it out. 
on that note, let's go to the sunnier side. The of sunnier things. side of forensics. So, how are you? I'm a little under the weather. I, I appear to have caught something while we were at some prairie. Just so many talented high schoolers. It just makes you sick how good. Just they makes all me are. sick how good they all are. <laughs> so, if you hear my clogged state, I'm trying my best to enunciate more clearly to make up for it but i apologize for my my dulcet tones not being at their best oh it's okay and congratulations on a nice day at sun prairie so yeah to we you went, as well we trekked all the way to sun prairie yes yeah, so, and so early your, i like your motto for sun prairie <laughs> which is sun prairie where the only thing that breaks is our spirits <laughs> because it's it's a really difficult tournament it's so hard it's, it's a really interesting uh, gathering of teams because mm-hmm. we're not separated by location for the state. So tons of teams from the north are coming down. Yep. Teams from the south and from Milwaukee are coming in. So it's one of the bigger tournaments we compete in in the whole season. And certainly one of the most competitive. And so, yeah, we, we go into Sun Prairie with low expectations. Yes. And I think we were both pleasantly surprised by yeah, how well indeed. our kids did. Um, not a ton of kids breaking into finals, no. but enough to not be embarrassed. Yeah, well, I wouldn't so. call your first place medium teams embarrassing. Well, whatever. it wasn't, but the, the average <laughs> by which we won first place was not our best by a long shot shot so you could definitely see the effect of of the quality of the competitors on our team average and somehow we still ended up on top all right so with the theme of valentine's day in mind and thinking about the one we decided that well i decided on behalf of both of us Mm -hmm. that we were going to delve into the topic of finding the perfect piece slash topic when in regards to the speech world uh now kurt what for you makes the perfect piece or perfect speech topic oh gosh that's such a wide question (laughs) um for me i think this is probably the most essential but most difficult aspect of forensics definitely it's picking um, not only your piece, but what category you want to do. So first of all, you got to pick the category, and then you have to figure out what you're going to actually do. My best advice for people about this, though, is just not to agonize over it, especially if you're just starting out. Um, find something you like, even if you don't love it, and just get to work. What do you think is the perfect forensics piece? My thing about finding the perfect piece is finding something that you are still going to feel committed to and passionate about, four months down the road can you see yourself doing the work needed for this piece and having to say those same lines over and over again (laughs) and not hating it you have to find something that you love enough to spend that much time with it a topic that you find interesting enough or that you're passionate enough about that you aren't so completely sick of it by the time you get to state because a judge is gonna is totally gonna be able to tell that if your passion has just completely derailed by this fifth or sixth tournament and by the time you get to state and you're just standing up there and reading it to us and there's no passion and there's no commitment to what you're doing then then maybe you didn't pick the best one that's true but i will amend that with the following coda which is that sometimes you just need to do something (laughs) because so often and again this is mostly for beginners but if you don't have a full grasp of what forensics is i think waiting to find the perfect piece or that piece that you might like in a few months might might be really difficult because you don't know what forensics is 
But if you get started, what's going to happen is you're going to go to tournaments and you're going to be exposed to probably hundreds of different pieces over the course of a year. And that could also help inform what you like. And so just the process of going and being there can can tell you more about what types of pieces you want to do in the future. Yeah, and we're not saying that you aren't allowed to try a piece out, realize that you hate it, and then change your mind. We're just hoping that you find one to fall in love with. Although we should say, if your coach does not like that philosophy, you should listen to your coach. Always listen to your coach. Always listen to your coach. But as coaches, I think you and I both both share that that thought which is that if you don't like something well let's find something else there's 17 categories in the wfca and like an unlimited amount of material that you can choose exactly yeah if you start something and you don't like it keep looking yeah in that way it's like dating exactly (laughs) try it out if you don't like it move on that's why you date and don't feel bad if you have if you feel like your category isn't a fit for you if you feel like the piece you're doing isn't a fit for you just today, one of my students decided that she wanted to try a different prose piece. So we went and took the time and found her something. She walked away, read it, time it came back, and she's very, very excited about it now. And in, as a coach, I feel a little bit guilty that we didn't find her something to be that excited about originally. But I'm very proud of her and happy for her that she took the step to say to me, Yo, Melissa, I don't want to do this anymore. Right. <laughs> and that can be hard. It absolutely can be. And the other thing, too, to keep in the back of your mind, which is that if you go into this and you have your coach as your partner and they're going to work really hard with you, if they're telling you that what you're doing is good and you go into rounds and suddenly you're very successful and maybe you're getting up on stage and maybe you're walking home with a trophy, you might fall in love with that (laughs) if you didn't immediately fall in love with your piece. So, um, And I, for one, think that is totally okay. If, if the competition and the success is what drives you and is what makes you love this activity, great. Whatever reason you have for loving forensics, I am all about it. Yes, all all love is accepted here. All love, yeah. So, where do we find the right piece? Well, we we could spend tons of time talking about the different locations that we as coaches find pieces, but... Uh, we did, I just want to spend time talking about one because it's about that time we're talking about oratorical declamation. Mm-hmm. And we're about to start picking freshmen and sophomore to try this category. And it's one of the categories I think that can be really hard to find pieces for because students don't necessarily want to spend a ton of time listening to people speak or watching videos of people speak. Uh, When I was in high school, the internet wasn't nearly the beautiful place it is now. So it was hard to find fresh and more importantly, funny declamation pieces. Everything that we were doing was really heavy and really historical. But now there, YouTube is awesome now and every (laughs) speech ever is on there. But my current go-to place is actually the TED Talks website. Every single speech there has a transcription, and there are tons of really informative pieces on there and speeches that have been given, but there are also lots of really interesting human stories being told, and I really love that resource. And you're not going to see a lot of people doing TED Talk-based speeches. You're going to see a lot of... Well, until they listen to this, and now... (laughs) And then now everyone's giving my secret, but there are hundreds of thousands of speeches on there. And the, so the if everyone in the nation used TED Talks as their resource, 
you would not have to see a lot of overlap no. just because of the sheer quantity of talks that have been given. So that that is a, a good resource. I remember when I was in high school, but even before you, yes, the internet Ugh. was not a thing. Um, I mean, it was sort of a thing, but yeah, it was but AOL. Barely. And like, basically, I only used it to look up the InSync webpage. <laughs> Back to your boy fan on this side. Yeah, sorry. Oopsies. Oops. Cross, <laughs> crosstown rivals. Um but I remember the library had a, an actual magazine called Great American Speeches. It was a monthly that would have like 10 to 12 speeches in it from some were very contemporary. Some were, you know, maybe from mid-century and some of them were going all the way back to like the Gettysburg Address. So you could find anything in there. And I was so sad to see that our library got rid of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe that's a resource for people. Maybe that's online somewhere now. But it was, yeah, just a magazine called Great American Speeches. And it was chock full of really quality work. I can't even remember the Odex that I did. I think one of them was about UFOs or oh, something. Oh, I was totally Mother Teresa my freshman year. Yeah? Yep. How'd that work out for you? Horribly. Definitely didn't take that to nationals. Mm. I just could not connect to the piece. And there wasn't a lot of options. And we were down to the wire. So it was one of those moments where it was just like, I just want to go to nationals. So I'm going to pretend that I like this. And it didn't work out for me. It definitely helps in a category like ODEC to have that personal connection. Yep. I mean, maybe you don't have to be quote unquote passionate about it. Uh, but, but you, you have certainly to like have it. to like it and you have to care enough to invest in it because you, we can tell, like judges can tell when you don't care, when you're just going through the motions. I think we've said that before. Yeah. Like there's nothing worse than watching a kid just recite something because that's not forensics. Like, no. Nope. Forensics is not recitation. We want to feel what you're talking about. Performance. Yeah. It's very important. Exactly. Uh, what, are, what are some other places that you find pieces outside of the, the declamation realm? Outside of declamation realm, um, there are some tried and true resources that I am hesitant to give up in the long run. <laughs> but I, for, the, for this listening audience, I will happily share them. Oh, thanks, um, Kurt. Well, the first thing is, I think if you really want to get access to a lot of good pieces, first of all, you just have to read a lot. So I, I sit on a committee in Sheboygan that picks the plays for our local community theater company. Because of that, I am constantly reading. And I'm reading now with three different brains. I'm reading, could this be a main stage show? Could this be a black box show? Or could I cut this into a forensics piece? And would Ooh. it be a duo or a solo serious or a solo home? Um, so the more you read, the more stuff that you have to pull from. Um, and this is probably more for coaches because students don't often need to have a lot of different ideas. But as coaches, it's good for us to kind of meet a kid and get to know them and have something in our library, our head library, that says, oh, I know a piece that would be good for you. So that's one thing that I do is just I read a ton of plays. And Amazon is a great resource for that because after you buy a couple, it starts being like, maybe you would like this play. And I am usually like, yes, I would. As soon as my next paycheck comes, I will buy you. <laughs> Um, but then I also have this other resource that I've used a lot, um, and it's called Selected Shorts. It's a podcast and a radio show through Public Radio International and National Public Radio. And the thing that's great about it is they have already done the work in picking out short stories that can be read aloud and be entertainment. So they've already found the pieces. Oftentimes they need to be cut more. 
Um, and sometimes they even like can give me a whole Farrago on one because their episodes are all themed. Ooh. So oftentimes like they'll give me a couple short stories that'll work within the same theme and all I have to do is find a poetry or something that can can mix in there. So that is my secret weapon, selected shorts. You can find it on iTunes. Unfortunately, the the host of that program passed away a couple years ago, um, but they've kept it going with guest hosts, I believe, ever since. So, Well, thank you for sharing your secret with us, Kurt. You're I welcome. appreciate it. And, I, and Kurt has been holding that back for a long time. Yeah. It, it, took, it took a little bit of, of prodding to get him to use it for this, um, for the podcast for us, but we are very grateful. Uh, now... One thing that is really important for me before I even start looking for those resources, uh, when my students come to me in the beginning of the season, the second we pick their category, they get asked three single like three questions. Okay. One, do you want to be funny, serious, or something in between? That way we have a realm to start shooting for. We want to find a humorous, funny lady piece. Or do we want to find something <laughs> serious delving into mental illness? Uh, and then two Why is, can't it be both, damn it? Because not everything... <laughs> Why can't it be funny about <laughs> mental illness? Well, it can be. And those make great pieces. But they, <laughs> That's don't, true. they don't necessarily always do great on the circuit, I've found. I've tried yeah. those pieces before. And I've had the students <laughs> do who, are, who like them. But they just aren't the judge's cup of tea. Uh, second, is there a certain human experience you want to spotlight? A lot of times students will come to me and they'll say, I want to do poetry, but I'm also really passionate about gay rights. Is there any way for me to do both at the same time? Heck yes, there is. I would love to help you get across a message. That's one of the great things about forensics is we're giving students a voice in ways that they're not going to find another activity in high school. So giving them the opportunity to do that. I want to make sure that I do my part to help them achieve that. And the third question, and this is one that ends up being something that I have fights with my students about. Do you already have something in mind? Because a lot of times my students will come to me, I really want to do a funny duo. Okay. What do you already have in mind? They have that look in their eye. They say it in that weird, like, high up question way. And then they want to do something that probably isn't attainable. Like, I want to do something from 30 Rock. And while 30 Rock is hilarious, it's really hard to do it (laughs) in forensics. It's not appropriate. So then then it's my job as a coach to find something along the sarcastic vein of 30 Rock that is a funny duo. Uh, because a lot of time, like 20% of the time, students already know exactly what they want. They just don't want to ask for yeah. it. But I agree with that. I agree with that. I wouldn't mind more of that, actually. Because <laughs> sometimes the best, um, you know, the best way to find what they want that will actually work is if they tell you something they want that won't work. Like, when you start walking down that road and then it's... Like, well, that's not going to work, but I know if you like that, you'll like this. Yeah. And then you can slip that in. Because sometimes it's hard for a student to come to you and have no idea what they want. I just want to do acting. Right. Do you know what kind of acting? Just acting. Yeah, right. And so then you have, and then you bring them five pieces and they don't like any of them. Mm -hmm. And so you spend all that time narrowing it down and it can sort of cut into amount of time you can spend actually practicing on a piece so if you're a student and you are coming in it's probably a little late in the season now but maybe you're trying to find something to do for national qualifiers 
sit down and think about those three things. What is the vein that you want to go in? Serious, funny, or something in between? Is there a certain human experience that you want to talk about or highlight? And write you already have something in mind. So that way when you are coming to your coach and you, the two of you are trying to find something together, it sort of makes the process go a little quicker. I agree and echo all of that. Um, I would add just one caveat to that, which is to remind people that there is very rarely a perfect piece on paper. Yes. You know, so that, that again goes back to my advice of like, don't wait too long for the perfect piece. Like yes. you might not see it right away. It is sometimes in the act of working on it or actually performing it that you discover how much you love it. Sometimes settling is okay. Sometimes you need to just think to yourself, all right, I trust in myself. I trust in my coach. There's a lot that we can do with this. Sometimes let's say you're working on a solo hum and maybe it's not full of the pre-written jokes that you're used to in solo hum where a piece is just funny after funny after funny. That is a great opportunity for you as an actor and you and your coach to step in and find what's funny in between there. Maybe it's the blocking, maybe it's the characterization. So sometimes you need to settle with what the piece is and take that moment to push yourself as an interpreter or an actor to find what is in between the lines. I agree. That's good. That's really good advice. We like, we're like we trying to help you all out. We want to tap into your talents, and we know how difficult it can be as coaches trying to find pieces and find things that satisfy your students because they all want to be yeah. number one at nationals. And you know what? At the end of the day, sometimes it's dumb luck. Yep. I will share the following story from my personal forensics experience. Yay, Kurt stories. So my senior year, my coach, Mr. Jay Johnson, had finally convinced me that it was time to do acting. And by convinced, I mean he said, you're going to do acting now. <laughs> so that, it was, I was doing that. And he had a piece in mind. He wanted me to do um, A Beautiful Mind because he had really enjoyed the movie and he had gotten the script and he thought it would make a really great solo series. Those of you who don't know A Beautiful Mind, it it ticks off a couple of the checkboxes for solo series. There is a crazy person. He One. hallucinates other people. Two. Um, and I believe at some point he dies. Oh, three. Yeah, yeah I think three pretty, at least. Pretty sure he offs himself. Almost bingo. So yeah, almost a bingo. But <laughs> the problem was I tried for months to cut this piece on his recommendation and I brought him like four different versions that were all like 14 minutes long but if you cut any part of it it wouldn't make sense anymore so then I started to just like pick a scene or two and just do the scene but then we were writing these introductions that were like two minutes long to try to explain what the story was and I was so frustrated but I was also a senior and a leader on the team and I was working with other kids and so I was focused on getting their stuff ready so we are at the night before Appleton East, which was the first tournament of the year. And I am in my basement trying to memorize A Beautiful Mind, a scene that I did not like and thought, well, I'll just get this out of the way for one week and then we'll fix it in the future. But it's still too long and it doesn't make any sense out of context. And oh my gosh, what am I going to do? And I found the only other script in my backpack, which was a chorus line. And I pulled out Paul's monologue and I thought, Okay, you know what? For tomorrow, I'm just going to memorize this. I have no idea what the time is. I have no idea if I can make this work, but let's just do this. And then I picked like one other part from the play just to kind of introduce the premise of it. You know, it was his introduction in the play, and I did that. 
and I went to Appleton East and I did that. And I did something terrible. I did not tell my coach that I had switched pieces the night before. That is like student one oh one. I know, I know. Don't ever do it. Um but I did end up taking first place at Appleton East, so I wanna be mad at you, but like from a student level, like High five. But I know, as a right? coach, Terrible. I would have been Jay so gave upset. me such a look because he was in the tab room. So he just came out after round three and looked at me kind of sideways and just said, a chorus line, huh? <laughs> and, like, and because I, I know like, Jay, I see that face. I yeah, know that face. Yeah. Yeah. Jay's real good about making sure you know where you stand. You feel that <laughs> so, disappointment. Yeah. Um, so that was... That was my introduction to Solo Serious in the world of forensics. And I ended up keeping that piece because it just worked. So Might you have gone to nationals with I that I did piece? go to nationals by accident. I was first alternate because I was always first alternate at CFL. Always. But I did end up getting into the quarterfinals that year. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Hashtag humble brag. We're full of them here at mm. Forensic Spaces. No, I will out and out brag about that. It's one, of, <laughs> it's one of the coolest things I've ever done. Well, I I can... My only nationals bragging is via someone else, but that's the story that's from another okay. podcast. Yeah, so. we'll get there. But if you walk away from this podcast with anything, it's that there really isn't a perfect piece right when it starts out. And there are going to be a years where you have a piece that is so defining of you as an actor or an interpreter or a speech topic that you are so passionate about. And the next year, you may not love your piece as much. Right. But it's about finding what you can do to make that piece shine and make sure that you are shining as a performer. And that's what's going to convince the judge. Not the piece, but Mm -hmm. you as a performer. Oftentimes, I will reward students who do better work with worse pieces. Yep. If they've, if I see one hundred percent, they have made what's on the page even better. You've done great work. If so you, if you are making the piece do all the work for you, then I don't want to have to watch your performance. I mean, I'm going to because I have to be there. It's part of my job. Well, and but, sometimes they're entertaining just because yeah, the pieces are that good. But, but if when if it comes down to two performances that are really close, if one of them had a student who obviously spent more time and effort actually interpreting. From the source material or actually putting a lot of unexpected moments into a piece, then I want to reward that. I want to give it a one. I totally agree. Speaking of things we may have given ones this week, let's do best thing I saw this week. Do-do-do-do. I feel like there should be like a song We here. might have to get another theme song for okay, best thing I'll I saw this Okay, I'll talk to JJ. Okay. We'll get it, we'll get it done. <laughs> All right, you go first. Kurt. I'll go first. Okay, so at Sun Prairie this weekend, I was not supposed to judge round one, but thank goodness I got called up to do it because it, it contained the best thing I saw this week. Um, it was special occasion, and it was a young man named Nathan Wang who was doing his special occasion as a public apology for being a bad speaker. Oh my goodness. And he hit on everything about being a bad speaker that can happen in a round. Um, But he did it so incredibly well. It was so clever and so well delivered. And his moments of like feigned badness were so spot on. That I just, I adored it. I actually wrote on his ballot that I wish I could videotape this and show it to first time speakers because it so well illustrates the bad things that people struggle with 
when it comes to forensics. So, it, you know, it picked on the idea of like having too many note cards and it picked on the idea of like forensics walking and how so many kids struggle to understand that it's just walking. <laughs> and, and, you know, so he it was very well written and very well delivered. Uh, and, and he seemed appropriately nervous throughout, which I thought must have something to do with how he actually delivers speeches, which may have been the impetus for such a speech. Um, But it was so pitch perfect the way it was, the way it was written. So I really, really enjoyed your piece, Nathan. And I uh, hope that a lot of people uh, have the chance to see it. And again, if your coach is listening, I really would love to, at some point in the future, have a videotape of this speech to use as an educational material for future students. See, now I feel like a jerk for my best thing I saw this week. What was the best thing you saw this week, Melissa? The cheesecake that Elliot's (laughs) parents made for the judges' lounge. (laughs) It was just so good. That was some darn good cheesecake. I can never compliment them enough. When we go to Sun Prairie, I always stand in that food line and just (laughs) sing my praises. Yep. Kurt knows I can't sing, but if I could, I would (laughs) sing them at Elliot Fisher's parents. They treat us so well. And the cheesecake is just so good. The cheesecake is the crown jewel of the Judges Lounge experience in Wisconsin. Yep, pretty much. It really is. Now, there are other tournaments that do food well. Kakana, see you in two weeks. Yeah, we'll see you in two weeks, Kakana. But we love I, you, Kakana. Food. I did. I did see some really nice stuff this weekend. I got to judge. I didn't get to judge. I got to sit in on the poetry final round. Yeah. I didn't have to judge a final round, so I decided I would just follow my friend Peter Woods from Ideas around. And it was a really excellent round. It was a lot of unexpected pieces. It was nothing I'd heard before. And so it was really exciting to see different topics being covered. It was kind of a big poetry round. There were seven of them. But it was still, it was enjoyable despite its length. That's good. (laughs) Sometimes rounds are just long. But when a round is long, you know that the competition was good then. Right. That that things were so close that they had had to let them all in. So I really did enjoy my poetry round. It was very okay. cool, and but mostly, but mostly that it was cheesecake all about the dough. Oh, and I, I can't, want it right now. I can't think of a better way to end this week's episode. So, with our hats off to the Fisher's cheesecake, I'm Kurt. I'm Melissa. Reminding you to listen, think, and speak, preferably in that order. Forensics Faces is produced and recorded in Sheboygan, Wisconsin. Our theme music was composed and performed by J.J. Hammeister. More info at ForensicsFaces.com. Whoa!